It was a um, number of years ago now at a well-known steak restaurant that my dad and I decided to take on a little bit of a challenge. At this um, restaurant, they just so happened to have a dessert that came in a bowl. It was about this size, and I'm pretty confident that the dessert was designed for families. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Excellent. (laughs) And we thought, imagine if we could eat one of those each. And so my dad and I ordered one of these ginormous bowls of awesomeness each. And I remember the, the point where we, um, somebody tapped us on the shoulder and we looked at the kitchen of the restaurant where the chef and all the waitresses were like sharing the story of the, these two madmen that were going to try and attempt this incredible feat of awesomeness that was um, the dessert. I remember the cream was okay, the vanilla ice cream spot on, strawberry ice cream was okay, but at the base was this Mississippi mud cake that totally defeated us all. And, um, and at the end, I remember just feeling so sick that I, I couldn't go back there for at least a week. It was shocking. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, that, that there's something about food that levels the playing field. We, we can all understand what it is to eat too much. If, if I talk about, have you ever had that moment where you're at a restaurant and you're trying to stab the little cherry tomato thing in the point where either you press too hard and it shoots off of the plate and you're trying to capture it, or you finally get it and it erupts and juice goes everywhere. Or you're wearing a white top and you're trying to eat spaghetti. Or you're at the wedding and the pumpkin soup comes out and the pumpkin soup's sitting there and what is just a, a normal utensil for eating food all of, this, all of a sudden becomes a weapon of mass destruction as you reach for the bread and you hit the spoon and it catapults soup up the... We've all had those moments, haven't we? Now, none of us have been to those events together, but the, the act of having food is something that we can all understand. It's something that, that brings stories, that, 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 that is a shared experience. And it's actually something that, that Jesus used consistently in his ministry. He ate and drank with people all the time. It was a rhythm, uh, something that he just did every day. It was natural. We see that when he feeds the 5,000. What has he been doing? He's been ministering. The disciples are like, this is way too big. Yes, what have I got? What's accessible? And he feeds people. Today we're going to look at what it is to continue that these rhythms of Jesus with our series. And how do we continue the rhythm of eating and drinking with others? You see, today's message is a really simple one. Go and eat and drink. That's the shortest sermon ever. That's the message. <laughs> you're an elder and you're clapping that that's a short message. <laughs> Thanks, Carly. <laughs> the application's a bit trickier, though. Because if we do this, it actually can be a cure for people that are feeling disconnected. It can actually be a cure for those that are feeling lonely. It can actually be a fix to, to people who maybe the inward circle of conversations around their table, or if, even if they're by themselves, the inward circle of thoughts in their head can be toxic, can, can be bad theology, can be bad practice, bad interpretation of Scripture. 
And if we do it the way Jesus shows us how to do in Scripture, it can be a cure to all those things. So it's important that we learn once again how Jesus ate and drank with others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today there is such a simple concept that we just take for granted. Lord, when we see how Jesus did it, may we follow his example and in doing so understand the power of eating and drinking in community once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're continuing a series called Rhythms of Jesus. How he lived. How did he go through his daily routine? See, as disciples, we want to follow Jesus. We've already talked about it. We've got wristbands that say it. It's all over the church. We want to follow Jesus. And so in this, we want to see how Jesus ate and drank with others. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 9, and starting in verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's going to be up on the screen. And we're going to go through the first part of this a little bit slowly. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a, a man named Matthew seating at a tax collector's booth. Now, a tax collector in those days was looked down upon. And depending on the time of the year and how you went this year, maybe you still look down upon tax collectors. We'll see how the financial year pans out. But in those days, a tax collector was really looked down upon because they weren't collecting taxes for God's people. They were collecting taxes for Rome, the opposing power. And so a tax collector was really looked down upon as a negative um, kind of person. We, we see it all the way through scripture. Zach and, um, sorry, Zacchaeus. I keep abbreviating Zacchaeus' name to Zach. That's so Aussie. <laughs> Calling people by nicknames. Anyway, Matt's here. <laughs> a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. There it is again. He told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Now look at this verse in verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. So not only has Jesus said, come follow me, come follow me back to your place where we're going to have dinner. That, that's, if you can't invite someone to your place, invite yourself over to their place. That's fantastic. This is great. But let's look, just, just picture this scene that we see here. He's having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. This isn't just the, the, the echo chamber, and an echo chamber is a, is a group of people, and this is a bit of a problem in our society at the moment, is that you go, I believe this, and someone goes, I believe that. You go, well, I hate you now. I've got this political view on social media. You don't have that? Well, defriend. And, and we, we end up with this... this group of people known as an echo chamber where you go, I believe this, and the group around you, the only people on the left are the ones that think the same as you. So they then feed back, yes, I believe it too, the echo chamber. And we've forgotten that there's actually beauty in diversity. You can barrack for another football team, that's fine. We know Hawthorne's the best and that's okay. <laughs> but, but if you don't have other teams, you don't have a game. There's beauty in diversity. We need other teams you can have your team, but without other teams, there's no AFL. There's no league. There's beauty in diversity. And so what we see here in this picture is that there is a, there is a, a setting of, of believers and non-believers alike. 
sinners, tax collectors and disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Upon hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. We see that Jesus didn't live in an echo chamber. He loved everyone. He had a message. He had a purpose. And he used this platform to spread that. The the platform often wasn't up here in a lecture theatre. He did that. He met at the temple. But often his platform was a table, a meal table. That was his platform. You think through Jesus' life that the times where we saw Jesus do amazing things, when he rose from the dead, in Luke chapter 24, he asked for some food and they brought him some broiled fish. I don't know if I've... I have battered flake, but I don't know what broiled fish is, but, but he had broiled fish you know, when, when he was risen from the dead. In Mark chapter 2, he ate with sinners and disciples. In Luke chapter 7, he eats with the Pharisees, the same Pharisees that were asking, why does Jesus eat with, with sinners and tax collectors? What's going on here? Jesus is eating with the people who would take him to the cross. In Matthew chapter 26, he's, he's celebrating this event called Passover, where they remembered that God had passed over them when he was casting judgment way back in the book of Exodus. And they're celebrating how amazing God is. And in that space, he gets some bread and he breaks it. And said, this is my body broken for you. And it's become what we, we call communion today. But that took place at a meal table over a celebration. It's not just evening meals. He also had breakfast with his disciples in John chapter 21. So, If you need to do a breakfast catch-up, you can do that. It's biblical, all good. He had some supper with his friends in John chapter 12 when he's with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had some really close friends, you know, those stories that we read later on in Scripture. And he's catching up with them in this passage for for some supper. In Luke 24, we we talked about him eating fish. But before that, he's, he's walking along this road to Emmaus. And he's met by the disciples, and they start this conversation. And true disciples follow Jesus' example. And so what do they do? They invite this stranger into their home. And they're full of grief because Jesus has died. They're they're full of sorrow and regrets, disappointment because they'd they'd run away. But they invite Jesus into their home and Jesus gets to this point where he breaks bread and all of a sudden they realise who he is. We see that, that Jesus time and time and time again eats and drinks with people. And it's the platform for his ministry quite often. And quite often it's in their homes. I want to make a bit of a, a differentiation here between what the, the Bible says about hospitality and entertaining because often we don't want to open our homes. We're going to talk about some of the complexities of this in a little bit as well. You see, when Jesus, in Matthew 9, when Jesus meets Matthew, he just goes and eats with him in his house there's no time to to set up for it jesus just went now if i was to say this is our family service if someone was to knock on your door after church and come for lunch you're not allowed to touch anything in the house 
It's as yeah, already. <laughs> it's as you left it. What would be the first thing you said to that person when you walked into the house? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's Lego. Um, there's the kids, and, and the, I don't know what that is, but yeah, it's moving by itself. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's it's a lived-in house. We've got kids. It's that stage of life. But all of a sudden, we feel sorry. We apologise because we're ashamed that we have kids that use the house. What's that about? See, there's something about hospitality in the Bible is come as you are. Offer what you have. Jesus feeding the 5,000. We can't do it. We're sorry. We can't do it. What have you got? This little boy has some bread, some fish. Come as you are. What have you got? That'll do. We, we see in this passage that, that Matthew just has Jesus into his home, and in doing that, your home's your home. It doesn't matter. This is what your kids play with. Don't be ashamed about it. It's just what your kids are into. It's a stage of life. It's okay. So the difference is the entertaining. And there are times in the Bible where there's time to prepare. Jesus talks about weddings often. Preparing the banquet, preparing the wedding, that the bride and the groom coming, the bride of Christ being the church. Can anyone remember what Jesus' first miracle was? Water into wine. So Jesus is with his, um, his mother and they're, they're at a, a prepared, um, they're, they're entertaining, like it's, it's a wedding. It's something that's been prepared for. There's expectations to be met. One of the expectations was there's enough wine to go around. The wine runs out. Jesus' mother goes to Jesus and says, you've got to do something. Jesus is like, it's not my time. When he's baptised, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and from that point he starts his ministry and he does the signs and wonders. He gets led out into the desert by the Spirit and we've talked about that over the past few weeks as we talked about baptism. And in this space we see that Jesus is is obedient to his mum because he, he never sins, he never breaks the Ten Commandments, he never breaks the, the, the relationship with him and God, so he obeys the Fifth Commandment, honour your mother and father, and does what his mum asks of him, and he turns the water into wine. There's space for entertaining and preparing to do that well, but when Jesus eats, it's more about hospitality. What have you got? Come as you are. Offer what you have to give. Don't worry about the expectations of others. Just come as you are. So firstly, we see that Jesus does this. Jesus opens up himself. He, he, he invites himself around other people's places. It's pretty bold, but give it a go. See what happens. But as we also read... When Jesus returned, his disciples, his apprentices were following his example. So they also invited, at that time they didn't realise it was Jesus, but they invited Jesus into their home. They're living this out, this invitational culture of community, of hospitality, with what you have, you share with others. We see that played out very early in the early church in Acts chapter 2, where we see it, we read in verse 46, Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, which was the place where they would question and wrestle with the word of God. But then they broke bread in their homes. Broke bread, we believe, is, is the act of communion. They had communion not in church, but 
at home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It was in their home that they would eat a meal together. But the idea of breaking bread and eating a meal wasn't separated. It was one and the same, as Jesus did at the Passover. The idea of, if at the center of your table is a conversation around God, is a thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us. And what's the evidence of, of, of a heart that understands what Jesus has done for us? A glad and sincere heart. So sometimes when we're alone, the thoughts in our heads aren't so good. Sometimes we're in an echo chamber. The group all agrees that this is the only way and everything else is wrong. What is it to have a group of people with Christ in the centre? You'll be glad and sincere. You may even have different opinions. and You may not all barrack for Hawthorne. <laughs> so let's pull apart what this looks like. We want to be really practical just for a moment because um, some of this isn't so easy and if we rewind 12 months, what does this look like? Uh, so let's um, pull this apart a little bit. Firstly, food brings conversation. Nothing brings conversation like food. I remember um, a number of years ago, as a small group, we decided to go to one of the Indian restaurants in Ballarat. This is when I was younger and much more reckless. And um, one of the other guys we were with, we decided we're going to try the hottest thing on the menu. I'm pretty sure I've still got inner scars somewhere inside me um, from that meal. And while the food was shocking like the first bite that was it we were out like it was the end it's like everything was running like it just shocking food actually was still still tell the story but it was something that brought us together it wasn't a good story it was but it brought us together it, it created conversation we told the story and still still telling the story there's something about food that brings out conversation before we ordered it, we're having a conversation about the food, what we're going to order. Come on, come on, egging each other on as you do when you guys. It brings community. It brings community. When you come together, it's an opportunity to share what you have, the fishes and the loaves. The, the, the inviting someone into your house isn't just inviting them into your house, it's actually inviting them into your life. If you walk into somebody's house and you're just standing in a room just for a moment while they go and do something, what's the first thing you start doing? Looking at the photos. What's on the wall? Hey, you got a sister. I didn't know that. Ah, oh, you got dogs. All sorts of stuff. Who knows? Because you've been invited into somebody's life. And being invited into someone's house, it gives you an opportunity for that community to start those conversations, to get to know one another and their stories a little bit more. Sometimes eating and drinking you know, like together in this sort of space also brings some complexity. That's a good thing. There's beauty in diversity. You're gluten-free. <sighs> I remember the first time I went to America, I, I still swear, if you have a peanut allergy the doors to the aeroplane would open and you would die. Like, everything's got peanuts. Peanut milkshake. It's awesome. Peanut cake. It's like, ah, oh, everything's got nuts in it. It's fantastic. But, but that whole allergies is complexity. But isn't that beautiful? The other thing with the complexity in doing this is don't overthink it. 
Don't get entertaining and hospitality confused. The whole idea of entertaining is, yes, it is a big thing. You want the floor clean. You want to make sure you, you go above and beyond. But, but this is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, come as you are. Don't overthink it. Consistency. This is a rhythm of Jesus. It's not a one-off. It's his pattern. It's his habit. It's the way that he lived. It's a rhythm. And also celebration. When we come together over food, it's, we can celebrate the milestones in life. Celebrate those, those moments where we come together. Celebrate those moments. Enjoy the food. Celebrate that you almost made it through that ginormous Sunday. Celebrate that, that you almost burnt your innards out when you tried the chilli. But celebrate your nieces and your nephews, birthday parties. Somebody's got a, got a, a promotion at work. Somebody's retiring. Somebody's taken a step in their faith towards who Jesus has called them to be. Someone's having a conversation around baptism. Celebrate those. But also celebrate the openness of going deeper. Somebody's doing it tough. And they open up for the first time over a meal. That's worth celebrating because you have earned trust. So we see that Jesus did it. We see that the disciples did it. But I want you to know that God also does this. In Psalm chapter 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God is preparing a table for you to be able to sit with him and share the glory of what his son's done for us to be able to share in a conversation, to be able to share what life is all about. And so if Jesus did it, the disciples did it, God has done it, what about us? What are we going to do about it? I've got a really practical and hard challenge for us this morning. And I mean hard. And if you've been wondering why we've got like a semi kind of tradey looking set over here this is what this is about either our interns this week were really bored or they're just seriously incredible i said i want a piece of wood a nail and a hammer Ta-da! like wow so blessed to have our interns you see if i was to be a tradie and i'm definitely not really not a tradie but if i was to do an apprentice to be an apprentice carpenter. One of the things you would learn is how to put a nail into a piece of wood. And the master would say to the apprentice, okay, this is the theory on how you put the nail into the wood. And you go, okay, careful your thumb, okay. And then you do some of your textbook and you'd read, yep, hammer, nail, wood, cool, I got it. And then you'd put it into practice. One of the things that I think stops us as Christians, I'm talking about that church, not just York Street, but I think wider, and I know there's areas of my life, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, I fail at some of this. Is actually when it comes time to put this into practice, it goes a little bit like this story. The master goes to the apprentice, okay, you know the theory, yes, okay, 
put it into practice, take the hammer, hit the nail. And the apprentice goes, yes. Hit the nail. Yep. Hit the nail. Yeah, I know how to do it. Hit it. I know how to do it in Greek. (laughs) Hit the nail. Yeah, I actually told somebody else how to do it. Hit the nail. Uh Uh-huh. You see the problem? We know it. We just don't hit the nail. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 27, it says, Those who hear my words, that's it. That's all it is. Not quiet. The verse says, Those who hear my words and put them into practice. Like a wise man that builds his house upon the rock. Hit the nail. We've got to do it. We actually have to do it. So if Jesus did it, if it's his rhythm, we have to do it. This is our challenge for this week. I want every household within the church to ask another household over for a meal. Hit the nail. It's hard, isn't it? Every household within the church, a household could be that, that you're a single person. That's a household. It could be. We've got households with seven kids. That's, that's a real household. Wow, that's like four households. That's massive. It could be that you're, you're living with your, your parents. That's a household. Every household to invite another household over for a meal. As we see in scripture, it doesn't matter what meal it is. It can be breakfast, lunch, dinner, supper. It's all good. It could be for a coffee. That's okay. I want to say sometimes there are complexities. Sometimes inviting someone into your, your home, your house, isn't a safe space. I want to say if my wife, Yvette, wasn't at home, I wouldn't invite another female over to my house. That is not appropriate at all. At all. We would meet in a, in a, a cafe, in an open space, a public space, so that, so that it's open and transparent. There's some of the counselling contacts that I have that, that I journey with that I would invite them into my home because it would be unsafe for my kids and my wife. So we don't, I don't open my house for some reasons, okay? But this is different. This is about family, body of Christ, inviting another household over for a meal. The challenge is, will we, each household, invite another household over for a meal this week? The second part of the rule is this. The first invitation you get, you have to say Yes. You can't hold out for a better offer. You're not allowed to ask what the menu's going to be. But the first invitation, you have to say yes. Chances are, there's some people that naturally get asked more than others. Maybe you, you run a small group, or you run a K team, or you run one of the ministry areas of the church, and you've got some families around you that, that it's more than likely you're going to get asked by them, and that's going to be fun. You might get asked multiple times. That's okay. You don't have to say yes to everyone. But the first one you do. Two little extensions on this. For extra brownie points, if you ask a household that you don't know very well, that's really biblical. (laughs) Come follow me to your place. (laughs) You could try that if you want. (laughs) Invite them to their place and you just turn up. (laughs) You can try that if you want to. That's that's what Jesus did. (laughs) But for extra points... 
get to know someone, even better, that you don't know very well, over a meal. If you want the easy way out, if you're in a small group, start your small group with a meal. That way, a bunch of households get together and you sort of tick everyone's boxes and you sort of got everyone's back. Cool, we're okay, good. Tick that one off. I want to picture this. Imagine what this would look like next week. If last week we all went away and practiced silence and solitude, spending time understanding how God sees us, spending time alone with God, being filled with his spirit, filled with you know, like shutting out the, the noises of the world and just hearing his voice. Imagine what that would look like as a church if we all did that. And imagine next Sunday if we come together as a church, getting to know who others are, a church that, that has gotten to know another family on a much deeper level, a much more personal level, in a way that Christ has come together, come into the centre of this and be in the centre of that conversation. I want to say, like, I love that you know, we've still got this communion table sitting here. It's an incredible table. It's very fragile, but it's amazing. If anyone's ever moved that, it takes about four people. Um, but it's an incredible table. We don't use it anymore because of COVID, but it sits there as a reminder of what it is to, to come around um, Christ at the very centre of our church and Christ at the very centre of all we do. But what Jesus did, was said, you know what? The communion table isn't actually this table. The communion table is your dining table. That's where Jesus celebrated Passover. Imagine this week if our homes became the church with Christ at the centre. How powerful that would be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to pray right now for courage for us as a church. That is no small challenge. Lord, that we would take up the invitation to push through some of our comfort zones, to push out of this echo chamber that we sometimes form in the spirit of being obedient to who you've called us to be. Help us to reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ and over a meal get to know one another deeper and better, to connect, to be unified over a meal knowing that we come together in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would give us discernment to know who to ask. Lord, we pray for wisdom in knowing how to host and open up of ourselves for those around us. Lord, we pray protection for those. that For this is, this is a huge thing. This is a big deal. And Lord, we pray for a spirit of joy and excitement, of anticipation and praise as we come together as a church family. Lord, as we practice what you've called us to live out, as we follow your example, may we follow the rhythms of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.